If you would turn in your scriptures to Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8. The Lord has told Jeremiah that he would put his words in his mouth and his words would be like a fire and his people would be wood and they would be consumed by it. The message of Jeremiah is one of judgment upon the people and Jeremiah has deep bitter tears, he says, they come from his eyes. And if they were to be collected in a bottle, God's bottle, the bottle would be full. My skin was peeling off. I had, as a child, taken a tray full of steaming hot coffees down the stairs into our basement to give to some workmen down there. And on the way down the steps, it tilted back and poured all over my chest. My mom heard my screeching and came running and took off my shirt and I was just blistered and raw. She ran to the cupboard and she kept this tin there, a tin of ointment. And she began to spread it on my chest and it was painful at first and then bit by bit, there was such a relief as she layered it on my chest. Look at verse 22 of chapter eight. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? The word is a a metaphor here in verse 22. Balm, for you younger people, is a healing ointment. And Gilead was known for producing it. It was well known. A mixture of perfume, a mixture of sap, a mixture of herbs. And it was all mixed up and it was a healing ointment in the day. Now the questions here are rhetorical. The answer is understood. Is there no balm in Gilead? Yes, there is, is the answer. Is there no physician there? Yes, there is, is the answer. Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? Why haven't the people of Israel been healed? There's healing available. It's right there in their midst. Why? Have they not been healed? The wounds of the people are their sins and the judgment of God that is coming. And what they are doing, instead of seeking what 
God has for them, instead of seeking God and his healing, the balm of Gilead, they're going after foreign gods. Look at verse 18, where Jeremiah says, my joy is gone, grief is upon me, my heart is sick within me. Behold the cry of the daughter of my people from the length and breadth of the land. Is not the Lord in Zion? Yes, he is. Is her king not in her? Yes, he is. Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images and with their foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I mourn and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Yes, there is, but they won't go there. They won't go to God. They're going to foreign idols. These foreign gods are given to us in chapter seven, if you look there. This is called the temple sermon from chapter seven through to the end of chapter 10. But here, notice in verse nine of chapter seven, will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, that's lie, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known. Baal. Baal was the idol, the master god. He was the warrior god. He was the fertility god of prosperity. Baal was the chief god in Canaanite worship. He was the top of the heap of false gods. And there were many names for Baal. Baal Hermon, Baal Tamar, Baal Peor, Baal Hadad. Families would have their own carved images in their own household, carved clay figures of Baal. In the book of Judges, as the people served these false idols, it says there that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers who brought them out of Egypt. They forsook God. And then it says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Notice they forsook God and they forgot God. That's what Baal does. He causes people to leave God, the true God, the ever-living God, and to forget him. Remember how Israel made a golden calf, a golden bull, as Moses was up on the mountain and 
Aaron down below and they put their gold together and made this idol. The bull is the image of Baal. He is the bull god. It symbolizes the bull, his fertility and his power. Remember Ahab and Jezebel and how they worshiped Baal and Elijah's showdown with the prophets of Baal. And when the nation split in two, do you remember after Solomon, Jeroboam would make two golden calves, two golden bulls. He'd put one in Dan for worship. Jonathan Kahn in his recent book, Return of the Gods, interestingly points out that the stock market that we're so familiar with, when it is surging forward in strength, it's called a bull market. In December 1989, a massive 11-foot by 16-foot bronze metal image of the bull was placed outside the stock exchange in New York. The bull, you can still find it in New York there, this massive image of the bull, the golden calf. It said this, the bull in finance represents optimism and growth, prosperity associated with America, Wall Street, and New York City. The bull, Baal. And then look at verse 18 in chapter 7. The second god, the goddess here, the children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. The queen of heaven. This goddess was the goddess of sexuality. Um, she was the one who would be wild and break every rule and every boundary. Everything that was normal, she would go beyond that. She was the patron goddess of prostitutes, and she had many names. She had the name Ashtoreth, the name Astarte, the name Ishtar. All that was forbidden, she would promote. All that was abhorrent, all that was taboo, she reveled in it. When Solomon had his hearts turned away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord God as the heart of his father David, Solomon went after Ashtoreth, that's the queen of heaven, the goddess of the Sidonians. And the third god, while not named here in this text, is named in the book of Jeremiah. Look at verse 30. 
For the sons of Judah have done evil in my sight, declares the Lord. They have set their detestable things in the house that is called by my name to defile it. And they have built the high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my mind. Solomon likewise built a high place for the abomination of Moloch. This is Moloch. He's the abomination of the Amorites. And east of Jerusalem, Solomon had a temple, an altar built there for his foreign wives who sacrificed on the altar of Moloch. You can imagine here from the text who they are sacrificing. And so in Jeremiah 32, he says this, God, they built high places for Baal in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to sacrifice their sons and daughters to Moloch. Though I never commanded, nor did it enter my mind that they should do such a detestable thing and to make Judah sin. Moloch was depicted as a large metal statue sitting on a throne, a large bronze statue. And he had, you can find this online if you look, his hands were out like this, slanted down. And what they would do is they would place the infant in his hands and the infant would roll out of them down into a fiery pit below where they would be burned. These are the foreign gods that Israel had turned to. Baal, Ashtoreth, and Moloch with all of their vile, immoral abominations. Baal would distract the people, deflect people to the material world, teach people they can make their own God and be their own God. He would make people forsake and, for, and, and forget the true God. And Ashtoreth, queen of heaven, would tie them up in sensual things and sensual matters, crossing every boundary and taboo, weakening all natural affection and Moloch is there to receive the horrible sacrifice. And so God says in Jeremiah 19, for they have forsaken me and made this a place of foreign gods. They have burned sacrifices in it to gods that neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah ever knew. And they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent. Is there no balm in Gilead? Yes, there is. But the people didn't want it, though it was not far from them. These gods had captured their minds and their culture. 
and they are no help to the wounds of sin and the judgment of God that is coming. As we look at our own time, we find it strange. Don't we find it strange? And we are shocked at the transformation of our culture that has happened so quickly. It's like reality itself is, is denied. And certainly, God is forsaken and God is forgotten. And Canada has gone backward over the last 50 years, leaving Christianity, forsaking God, forgetting God. And Baal, Ashtoreth, and Moloch seem to once again have their influence and have captured the minds and are worshipped by modern men and women, though they don't even know it. And it is Baal who, and his teaching that lies behind the distractions of our modern time and social media. And Ashtoreth lives in Hollywood, like Madonna and her abominations. Moloch is worshipped through abortion and euthanasia and medically assisted dying. What an evil and horrible display was made at the halftime show of the Super Bowl. What paganism and satanic displays are now commonplace. At the Grammy Awards, the Luciferianism and the obvious satanic display there. Around Christmas time, there was a marketing campaign that many took exception to. I'm not familiar with the brand, but it's Balenciaga or something like that. And they had a marketing campaign. And in their marketing campaign and in their posters, all of these three idols were depicted in their own way. Little children were used in these ads. And Ashtoreth was sexualizing them and sensualizing them. And Baal was there. Actually, Baal was written. His name was actually, you could identify it there. Paul would say, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cause and powers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is evil. When we see many horrible things today happen, everybody in the secular world rushes to say how senseless it is 
What a senseless thing. No, we say it's an evil thing. Moses would say, who is like you, O God? Who is like you? The answer is no one. Look at chapter 10, the end of his temple sermon here. Chapter 10 and verse, let's pick up in verse 10. He says, but the Lord, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earthquakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. He'll go on and talk about the creative power of God. Verse 12, it is he who made the earth. He brings forth the rain. And these idols are nothing. They are worthless, he says in verse 18. A work of delusion. At the time of their punishment, they shall perish. The burning of the judgment of God is coming. The judgment of God is coming upon our land and our nation. The scripture says by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. And he says, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. We all have the wounds of sin and the pain and suffering of the flesh. And mankind deserves the judgment of God and it is reserved for mankind. The consequence of apostasy, of idolatry. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Yes, there is. Is there no physician there? Yes, there is. There is one who heals. And his blood washes away our sin. And his death gives us life. And the ultimate physician binds our wounds. He restores us. Our nation will be judged. Return to the Lord. Repent. And receive the healing of God. Our God gave his life for us. He willingly died for us. And he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. Is there no balm in Gilead? There is. He's actually not far from each one of us. And he commands all people everywhere to repent because he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And 
Of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Turn to him, go to him. Find healing from him. And Christian, brother and sister, don't forsake him and do not forget him. Let's remember him now together. Heavenly Father, what a day we live in. And you have put us here for this time and this place and our hearts go out to our fellow man in Canada, blinded and worshiping that which is abominable and seeing as normal that which you hate and what is horrible and wicked and evil. And here we are to speak truth. And here we are to live the truth amongst this people, our people. Fill us with your spirit, anoint us. Help us, Lord, to be holy sanctified and and as we thank you and remember the sacrifice the death of our Lord Jesus Christ for us we pray that Lord in our memory we might worship and in our in our minds we might cleave to you we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we move to the table.